It really was a process where it wasn't super linear. It wasn't like sit down one day and figure out what you want to do. It does take some work and like toughness and grit to get through the tough parts of like not really understanding what you want to do and feeling nebulous and weird like I did for so long. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the brand new You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build your personal brand. We meet here each week to learn how building your brand can help you grow your influence, amplify your online reputation, and ultimately impact your career. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is a former corporate America participant turned career coach. Jill Ozevec is the founder of Jill Ozevec Career Coaching. Today, as a career coach, Jill partners with millennial and mid-career women to help them find and develop careers that align with their passions. But this wasn't always the case. The first part of Jill's career was spent as a corporate employee where, by the age of 26, she'd been promoted to the head of a division and given a multi-million dollar budget. As you would expect from a position like this, it came with high responsibilities and equally high expectations. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending upon how you look at it, it was those expectations that challenged Jill's values and eventually led her to make a life-changing decision one evening after she caught a glimpse of her reflection in the window of a subway car. Jill, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. And I just I just chuckled as I remembered when you said the subway reflection, I chuckled as I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember seeing how miserable I looked that night going home to Brooklyn on the subway at like 10 p.m. <laughs> anyway, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. And we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit more detail about that night. Uh, but before I do, I have a couple of questions for you to get us started. But the, the first one I have to ask to get it out of the way is how are you feeling about the Nova Nation's chances right now? Oh my God, I'm so glad you asked. So I am heading to, as you know, Houston. Um, After we get off this podcast, my dad and I get to go together, which is super special too, because my dad um, had some uh, major health scare last year. So it's like incredibly lucky that we can even go. So I'm looking at it as that and more as that than, you know, are we going to win? Because it's just, I'm so grateful that we can go together. Um, But my dad thinks we can win it all. We're going to win on Monday night. We're going to do this. So he thinks we're going to win it all. I think we can win tonight and then we'll see what happens with North Carolina and Syracuse or not tonight, tomorrow night. And we'll see what happens with North Carolina and Syracuse tomorrow as well. So this podcast will air after the final four is over. So oh, yeah. I'll wish you good luck now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> one last question before we dive in. And that is if you could vacation in only one place, for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? Oh, geez. Um, Oh, this question. Um, I, (laughs) so I love traveling, but, um, I used to live in South America when I, when I took my little sabbatical after my corporate job. And, um, I think I would go to Chile actually. I really, really enjoyed that. And I think they, because I think they have it all. They've got the beach, they've got the desert with the, you know, astronomy sites, and they have the glaciers down south and the national parks and the cities. I think Chile. Chile or Argentina. Okay. Maybe I'll take a cruise and go down there someday. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, Jill, you have a, a much larger story than what we're probably going to get into today. And that story involves things like Skeletor and old maps, as you just uh, alluded to. But what I want to do is I want to fast forward to this big role, this promotion that you had where you were in charge of doing all the content development for the financial conferences. And you got your big promotion shortly after the big financial crisis in uh, 2008. And I'm just wondering, what, what, were the, what were the roles and what were your responsibilities in that position? So I was in charge of the P&L. It was like a 14 million, 13 million. I can't remember now, something like that. Uh, P&L for the financial services division of conferences. So essentially it was events that were um, private equity, hedge funds, uh, you know, for institutional investors, real estate, all that kind of good stuff. Um, less real estate in 2009, obviously. Um, but uh, basically, I was in charge of the strategy for that division, uh, managing a team of a direct team of like seven people and a matrix team of anywhere between at any given time, like 25 to 30, depending on who was working on which projects in our division. Um, which helps me help me determine that I wanted to do this work was, you know, the, the managing and the talent development and the growth and all that kind of stuff of my direct reports, um, which was the most, you know, was one of the more challenging pieces, but also one of the more rewarding pieces to really understand how to manage people and um, help them develop their their career. Yeah. And it sounds like the part that you seem to like the most or potentially gravitated towards the most was the career development piece, Yeah, which is usually like the smallest portion. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And that was, that was actually part of the issue. I was like, oh man, I like doing this stuff and I want to learn more about it, but you know, numbers and <laughs> how do you get your gross profit margin to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh God, you know, I, I don't want to say I don't care about it, but like I care about it way less than, you know, helping a person develop their career, you know? Right, right. Lisa Cummings, who's a uh, certified strengths coach, would tell you that you were clearly working in your strengths as you were learning, you know, doing the career piece of it. Yeah. And most likely working way out of your strengths zone. Uh, when you were doing all the other fun stuff. So yeah, like the financials, like, oh God. Right, yeah. right. So, I mean, and, and because our jobs get split like that, and it's, you know, that's typical for a lot of, a lot of us and a lot of people listening. We have, you know, 80% of our job may be something that's like soul sucking and we don't like it. And there's that mm -hmm. 20% that we do like and enjoy. But at the same time, because it's such a large per portion of the role is not what we want to do, it starts to eat at you. Yep. So you could clearly tell something was eating at you as you were going through your, you know, this big promotion and you were in that role. Tell me about the time or the night, the evening, if you will, that you looked at your reflection in the subway car window and just something just inside you said, okay, something's got to change. Yeah, it was so it was... It it was the culmination of a couple of different things that happened. And one, what the first thing was my sister and I, I took her on a sister's trip to Argentina and I really was loving it there. And I said to her, and she was not at the time an adventurous traveler. She was just like, I kind of cajoled her into coming. And <laughs> I turned to her and I said, I can see myself moving down here for a little bit. And she, the non-adventurous traveler turned to me and said, well, why don't you? Mm. And I was like, why don't I? What? Wait a minute. Huh? So I double dog dare you. Yeah. And I was like, I credit, <laughs> I credit her with so much of that. So I was like, interesting. So then I put that aside for a little bit. And then one day um, I left the apartment and I got to the pretty much to the subway with my bedroom slippers on, like did not put shoes on, you know, like totally mm -hmm. not mindful of what was going on, like rushing around, like 
my friends thought it was funny and it was, but it wasn't because I was like, I didn't remember to put shoes on guys. Like I'm so stressed. Like (laughs) that's crazy. And then, then the third thing was this getting home, um, you know, really late. Like I missed my spin class after work and on the subway home, I forget what time it was. It was like eight or nine. It wasn't like, you know, some people say like, I worked till two in the morning. It was never like that per se, but, um, you know, I, I was like maybe nine and I looked up and, in the reflection of the subway, we're on a podcast, so you can't see my face, but I looked like, <laughs> like horrible. Like I looked miserable and I was like, Oh, that's why you're not dating anyone. That's why you're not mm. like happy in your life. Cause you look, I wonder how you look to the random passerby on the street. If this is you right now. So seeing my actual face was like a, like a light bulb moment of like, Oh, so this is, this is not, tenable. I'm 20. I guess at the time I was about to turn 29 and I was like, nope, you got to get, this has got to change. Like this is not, this can't be what working life is for the next 30 something years. (laughs) It just can't be, you know? You know what the reality is, is that it probably would have been had you not decided at that moment that you needed to make some kind of change for yourself, exactly. how did you go from where you were at in that subway car to now being a career coach? So that was the night that the night that I decided to put a plan of action in place. Like I absolutely wanted to do right by the company that I worked for and gave them enough notice. You know, while it wasn't a long term good fit for me, um, that's where I started my career. I learned so much from them. I, I've made so many lifelong friends and colleagues and there's so much good to the place, but it just wasn't the right place for me. I think it was like March or something like that. And I was like, all right, I want to leave at the end of the year. Um, and then I want to go to Argentina, which I'm going to do. I'm going to put a stake in the ground. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to go right after the holidays because I love the holidays. And I want to be home with my family for the holidays. So I, I put a plan of action in place. And then I told my, the, my boss was the CEO of the company and I told her, Um, I think like October 1st and my last day was like November 15th. So I gave her like five or six weeks notice um, as opposed to the normal two because it is a more difficult position to hire for. So I didn't want to just be like, oh, bye, see ya in in a week or whatever. Um, So that was really important. So then I um, went to Argentina. Really, I mean, I traveled. I took Spanish. I volunteered at an NGO. I did a lot of like not nothing, but compared to what I was doing, a whole lot of nothing compared to like working 80 hours a week and running around like a maniac. Like I did a lot of just reflection and writing and, um, wandering streets and, and, and meeting people and, uh, volunteering and all that good stuff. And when I, it was time to come home because I was like, well, Argentina doesn't really have the best economy, so I'm not going to get a job down here. And it's really, you know, I can't just like live with no job forever. So I'm going to, um, head back. And this was like, later in the year 2012 and I was in the my apartment down in Buenos Aires and I started looking up event planning jobs for content management I was like what are you doing because you left the northern hemisphere to not do this anymore and here you are <laughs> your your like initial gut reaction is to go back to the same thing that's so insane yeah it's so easy to do yeah I know and so I so then I was like if I'm doing this after not working for literally nine, 10 months at this point, like what is everyone else doing that is looking for a job while they're in a job? Like they're doing that. If I'm doing that most likely, you know? 
So I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So that was like one thought. And it didn't start to crystallize into career coaching yet at that point. But then I started doing, okay, like, well, how am I going to figure out what I want to do when I have no idea? So I literally put that into Google. And I got an article that told me what to, how to figure out what I wanted to do when I had no idea. And so I followed some of those uh, exercises, which I've since adapted, added to, and have grown my own library of exercises for people when they're when they come to me for that kind of stuff. And through connecting the dots from doing that kind of work and journaling and that thought I had about career coaching, one day, like a few, maybe like a week or two later, I had like a eureka moment. I was in a bookstore in Buenos Aires and I was just like sitting there. I was like scrolling idly through Facebook. And one of my former colleagues from my old job had started her coaching practice. And I was like, wait a minute. And I started to connect all of those dots. I was like, boom, boom, boom. What about coaching? That's interesting. So it really was a process where it wasn't super linear. It wasn't like sit down one day and figure out what you want to do, um, which I think is a, oftentimes a misconception sometimes for people where they think that that could that there's like a magic pill they can take. It does take some work and like toughness and just kind of like grit to get through the the tough parts of like not really understanding what you want to do and feeling nebulous and weird like I did for so long. And then, you know, just to fast forward, so in the interest of time here, I went to school, you know, I got certified. I built my practice on the side while I was doing contracting work for a company in Midtown in Manhattan. And um, they knew what I was doing on the side all along, super supportive. Um, couldn't say enough good things about that experience. And then I worked with a business strategist to launch my business full time um, mid year last year in 2015. So I was, you know, building my practice from like mid to late 2013 to mid 2015 while holding, you know, a contracting sort of position and then, um, launched. And here I am working with people, you know, in my boot camp, talking at events, um, giving workshops. And, um, I do a lot of private one-on-one coaching too. Wow. Uh, I mean, we could do an entire podcast, I think, just on that. <laughs> so I commend you actually for multiple things there. First, for, for making, for recognizing where you, where you were and for making the decision to become something different. And, mm-hmm. and while you don't, you didn't recognize that that's what you were doing at the time, that's ultimately what it became. So many of us are conditioned to look at what we do today and think that that's what we are or who we are. Yep. And so when something happens to us in our career, our first instinct is to say, well, this is what I've always done. So I'm just going to go back and do the exact same thing. And so I'm, I'm curious, why do you think it is so darn hard to articulate who we are and what we want? career-wise? It's such a good question. I was about to answer that before you asked the question. I think career development offices at colleges and universities have gotten better. Um, But I do think, you know, for the people that I work with, you know, people that have been out of college for a few years to to many years, the, the resources weren't there. So we were never like, when we were in school, it was just sort of when you graduated, what you fell into, you know, like there was no logic or conscious choice to that. So So then you start down a road where you're not consciously choosing from the get-go or you're just like, whatever will take me, I'm a 21 or 22-year-old graduate, whoever will take me for a job. And then you start to, because that's the most important, I'm using air quotes, that's the most important thing to have the job rather than like wait a little bit so you can understand what you actually want to do. Then you start down that path and as you get down that path, you move further and further away from your true self 
So then, of course, it's going to become more and more impossible or more and more difficult to articulate who you are when you've, you've sort of veered so far off the path, so to speak. Um, I also think, you know, and I don't mean this in a, you know, I don't mean to generalize about all women, but I do think, you know, from what I've seen with many of the women I've worked with, not all, of course, but many, I think that um, sometimes women have a more difficult time um, articulating who they are and their, you know, their quote unquote worth or value at work. Part of your personal or your professional brand rather is about your you know, accomplishments and what you've done in the past and, and how that matters for where you're moving in the future. And a lot of people have a hard time owning that. And not just women, people in general have a hard time owning their actual impact on a project or in a, in a, in an organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that you offer is you have a personal professional narrative worksheet that you use uh, with each of your clients where you talk about things like a personal branding statement, what their competencies are, providing proof and backup of that, the personality goals, and then being able to kind of put it all together. What do you think is the benefit? And we're, I want to go through each one of those, but what do you think is the benefit to people to put together a professional narrative? Why would they want to do that? Because it makes, you're connecting the dots for the person on the receiving end of your narrative so that they don't have to. So whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager or a friend that might know someone, you are doing the work so that they don't have to. And by that, I mean, when you're talking to people, you can say something concise and that makes sense and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, when you are your, your digital presence, so like your LinkedIn summary, or if your new field is something where you would want to have a, a website, like a branded personal website, um, you know, you are clear and concise so that people aren't like digging through the weeds to try to figure you out. So it really, like, when you start with that, it's, like, terrifying to people. They're like, I don't know, how am I supposed to sum myself up in, like, a sentence or a paragraph? That seems crazy. And it it do, it is at first. It can be, when especially when you don't know your professional path. So we do this because it's deconstructed. There's no skin in the game at this point. It's like, yeah, tell me, let's talk through your skill sets, for example. Let's talk through your work experience, your success stories, feedback from reviews. Like, that's tangible stuff that people are like... Oh, great. Here are my reviews, Jill. Let's talk through this. This is the feedback I got. And so we can start with actual tangible stuff versus, you know, lofty statements and things like that. One of the first things on your sheet is this personal branding statement. And and then underneath that, the question that you ask is what benefits do you bring as an individual to the organization or to people or to groups? And that question so closely mirrors a question that I was asked and what still sticks out in my mind today when I went through my personal branding process several years ago, which is what happens because of me. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a great way to put it. I'm taking a note of that, actually. That's great. Yeah. So I'll give it's actually a trademarked statement. Now you have to give credit to Kathy Crandell from Meaningful Connections, but it's the same thing. It's it's taking a look at your skills and flipping it, right? To say, okay, any situation I go into, here's how it's better because I was there. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. And so sometimes, and, and these are also, but I should also point out, in not really any particular order, because sometimes people have a hard time thinking about their benefits first. So a lot of times we'll actually start with the skill set. So it's like, I was a project manager and that's my skill set. Okay. What is the benefit a project manager 
brings to the organization or to your group or whatever? And this is a very simplistic answer, but like a, a, an answer to that could be like, well, I keep the trains running. Like I keep projects um, under budget and done on time. Well, that's a huge benefit to the organization. They're like, oh, I never thought I just was writing that as a project manager. You know, when we flip it to the benefit, then it beca- it opens up the story a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, sometimes I think we think of our th- ourselves as bullet points mm-hmm. and we forget that there's actually a story behind each and every one of those bullet points. Exactly. <laughs> and our value to the company is much greater than a bullet point, obviously. Exactly. So you, you mentioned a couple of times people should save their annual reviews. So these are the reviews that their, their bosses give them. How do you, how can they use? So for people who've done that, and I'm one of those people who actually kept all mine, how do you take those reviews? use and, and use those to help build your personal branding statement? So various ways. One major way is looking at them in chronological order. And I don't mean like if you have 20 annual, annual reviews saved, you know, you don't have to look at every single one. Maybe look at, you know, year one, year five, year seven, you know, like use your judgment. You don't have to look at 20. But if you've been working for like five years, pull out all five, stack them next to each other in chronological order and read through them and make notes on them. You know, where did I grow each year? So if you look at the goals that the organization or your manager put in place for you, or you put in place for yourself on year one, for example, when did those come to fruition? How did they come to fruition? How did you actually accomplish the goals, in other words, that were set out for you by either you you or the organization or your boss? So making note of that trajectory or that growth. And so for me, for example, to give you a concrete example, one of my goals was to to be in charge of larger scale financial services events. And so, you know, I was able to pinpoint, you know, growth. So growth numbers, you know, like a, a stagnant event that I'd worked on um, was pretty flat. And then the year I took it over, it went up. I forget the percentages right now, but let's just pretend for argument's sake. The gross profit of the event went up by, let's say, 15%. It's like that was a huge jump from flat, 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 flat year on year. So I added tens of thousands of dollars to the bottom line of the company that year. So that was my goal that year one was to work on larger scale events. I did X with my smaller scale event. Therefore, the next year I was given this event called Super Return, which was a large scale multinational private equity event that I worked on for many years. So it's like you can you can see and connect the dots between, you know, goal, what I did to accomplish it and then the outcome. Yeah, it it was interesting when I went through my annual reviews. um, I was actually amazed at how some of the statements in those reviews were like almost a carbon copy and paste directly from my strengths finder assessment as well. Oh yeah. Um, So just to see that tie together to, you know, that was just another, for me, another data point to say, okay, you know what, there's something to the strengths finder thing because uh, my bosses are saying it and they don't even know what my strengths are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. And that's a good point too, that it's, it's really a combination of a lot of different data points. Like when we were talking before about how I determined I wanted to do career coaching through all those data points, it's the same thing when you're building your personal narrative. It's not, that's why there's so many, you know, quote unquote boxes on this worksheet. Um, because and it's not, it, you don't have to stop there. Like you don't have to be confined by this worksheet either. Like you just said, look at your strengths finder and you're like, Oh man, like there's, there's all these connections here that looking just at it by itself, you can't really see a pattern emerging until you start to put all this stuff together. And you're like, Oh, there's something to this.
tell me about the five peeps exercise. Oh, yeah. So that's one thing that I did when I was in Argentina to figure out what I wanted to do. And I do that with all of my clients now, whether they're my boot camp clients or my private clients. And basically, the idea is you ask five people in your life, and I recommend three professional and two personal. It could be all professional. I do try to recommend having one personal in there, but also don't make it all your family either. Um, and ask them what they think you do well and what they admire about you. So it's two different questions. The what they think you do well can bring out skill sets and the what they admire about you can bring out attributes, which are all important, which are both important for the professional and, and personal narrative um, and see what you get back. And so it's also a great exercise when you've been doing this like from like a psychological level, when you've been doing the same thing for so many years and you're like, I don't even know what I'm good at. Like, I just feel kind of blah and meh. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to get people that care about you in your life or, you know, that have a professional connection to you so that can see you in a good light professionally to reflect back to you what they, what value you bring to them, what benefit you bring to them. So there's like, it's good for tactical purposes of putting together your professional narrative, but it's also a nice you know, when you work with people that have felt beaten down by their job for many years, it's a nice pick me up too to have like these people in your life, you know, every single person that has done this has been like, I didn't realize that so-and-so thought that about me. Like I was nervous to send that to so-and-so. And the fact that they wrote this back was like pretty, pretty like uplifting. So there's the double benefit to that. You, you, you mentioned it already, but I, I, I was terrified when I did that. I thought I had two thoughts that went through my mind was a uh, this scares the crap out of me because I don't want to do this, but I'm going to anyway. And two, my next thought was, well, nobody's going to respond. So I may as well just go for it. Exactly. And you'd be amazed at all the great stuff you get back too. And it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's also to your, one of your earlier questions about like, why is pers- uh, professional narrative building and talking about who you are so hard? Th- that fear that we both had doing this exercise is, is a huge part of the reason, like a huge reason why, like, because we're afraid to go out there, a lot of us, and, and see what's possible because we don't, the fear of the unknown kind of thing. Another thing that you offer that can help individuals, I think, tremendously is you have, and you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it just a minute ago, is you have a 30 day career change boot camp. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Obviously, it's going to take place in 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> but outside yeah. of that, what are we going to do within those 30 days? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, that part. I think I might have to change the name because as I've done several of these now, um, I, it takes a little bit longer than that, maybe like five weeks. So the 30 ish day boot camp, maybe I should call it <laughs> okay. um, a five phase program, but essentially it's a group online program. Um, it's a little bit more of like a self study kind of thing than private one-on-one coaching would be. And essentially what it does is it takes you through the career change process. So it's for people that completely want to change their career and they don't really know what they want to do. And so we spend a little bit of time in the beginning, you know, doing the first phase of like reflection. So checking back in with yourself, reacclimating with your values, your definition of success, how you define meaningful work, like all those sorts of exercises that are, you know, 30,000 foot view rather. From there, we have like the baseline of what we're working with. And then we move into a dreaming phase where we basically put all through a series of exercises, including um, the five peeps, we put all of our um, options on the table. So 
I give them a packet, sort so to speak, of exercises that help them. Some of them are pretty tactical and some of them are very nebulous. So like I said, sometimes this is like an uncomfortable thing. You got to embrace it and just kind of go with it and trust the process. And essentially at the end of the dreaming phase, we have all of our options on the table that we want to then move into the explore phase with. So based on our values and all the things that we uncovered in the reflection phase, we start to put together a strategy by which to explore all of the options that came up in the dreaming phase. So if you're, you know, we, we come up with the questions we want to ask, the people we're going to talk to, the events we want to go to to learn more information, um, all the whole gamut of um, how to explore each of these different potential career paths. At the end of the explore phase, we come to a conscious decision, a conscious conclusion to put a stake in the ground and choose one of those. So a lot of people, you know, they come to me and they're like, well, I might still want to do X or Y. And they're, you know, wildly different things. And that's very difficult to to successfully execute a career change when you have, you know, two or three different options on the table. So that that very important point is the end of that explore phase where we put a conscious, you know, stake in the ground and choose which one. Then we move into the narrative phase, which is all of this stuff we've been talking about, really hammering out the, you know, the, the component parts of it, in, in, like you have in this worksheet here that we're discussing, putting it all together and creating a statement, creating a summary statement. And then the last phase is putting it, infusing it into your um, resume, your LinkedIn, um, how you describe yourself, you know, at events or when you're talking to people. So all the nuts and bolts of all of the sort of job search documents um, and formats that you would use to describe yourself in your career change, and then also developing a job search strategy. So how are we going to find, you know, companies that that you you admire and get in there? You know, whether it's through interview process or networking, um, you know, and basically getting you on your way in terms of um, job search and interviewing and things. With my private clients, I do continue with them and we do interview strategy, mock interviewing, salary negotiation, and we get them in the role. With the bootcamp, people can continue privately afterwards on a shorter program, but the bootcamp is basically, the point is, is to get people up and running and give them the know-how to make the career change themselves and all the toolkits and things that they need to do it. Last question, then we'll start to wrap things up. Who would be, uh, you know, so people are listening right now, they've got a lot of thoughts running through their head. How would they know that they would be, they could be considered a good candidate to go through the 30-ish day career <laughs> change boot camp? Um, they, they have said, you know, for years now that um, I hate my job. Uh, if I have to go in there one more day, I'm going to scream. If you say things like, I'll just wait till I get my bonus and then I'll try something else, you know, and you've said that the last three years. Um, if you say things like, you know, if you think to yourself, like, I dread Monday on Sunday morning and I can't wait for Friday on Monday morning. Okay, you might want to consider this. You know, I want to do something else, but I have no idea what that might be. I want to do something for work that I actually like doing. Any of those sorts of things. And also, you know, you'd also be a good candidate for this if you are more of a self-study, like you want to do this more on your a DIY kind of thing versus having um, an advisor to take you through it. The, the boot camp does include several one-on-one 30-minute private touch points, you know, like in terms of private calls, um, but uh, it's less intense in that way than like one-on-one coaching. So if you think you're someone that can 
you know, take the content and the tools and run with it and, and draw conclusions and connections for yourself, then this is definitely something that you should consider. Yeah, it's funny you say the uh, bonus question, because I've talked to many, many people who, you know, they get to October yep. and they say, well, I can't leave because if I do now, I'll miss out on the bonus that pays out in January. Yep. And, you know, if you really stop and you think about that for a minute, you're trading in, say, $5,000 for basically to stay in the same job that you don't like when in fact if you move into a position that uses more of your strengths that is more in line with what you like and love to do you're going to make far more than that bonus will ever pay out in three months exactly and if you, even if you don't even if you go to something that's like less lucrative money wise like you're so much there's something um in the atlantic this month um, the one with the cover with President Obama on the front, there's an article about mid-career career changes that I'm in the middle of reading. And it's fascinating if you're listening to this and that that is your demographic. It talks about like changing, you know, when you're in your, you know, 40s and 50s and stuff like the money doesn't mat matters not as much. It's like based on Gallup polls and stuff like that. And people just want to be happy more and fulfilled and have some sort of connection, meaningful connection to their work more and more and more. And it, it, it like you think it's all millennials that want that. Well, it dips, I guess, according to the article, and then it picks back up again in your late 40s and 50s that you want that as well, you know, once you're done raising a family and stuff. So I thought that was interesting. And also to your bonus thing, like the $5,000, Think about also what, what you actually get after taxes. So like when you actually break it down for most people, not everyone, like sometimes, you know, if you work in finance, you might get like a billion dollar bonus. But <laughs> for most of us, our bonuses are like peanuts compared to the trade off that you're, you're trading in your happiness for yet again another year. Well, Jill, I know that I could talk to you for probably, well, hours and hours more, but I, we also need to get you off to uh, Nova Nation. So for those people who are interested in finding meaningful work and are interested in the 30-ish day career boot camp, or they just want to learn more about you and the services that you offer, what are the best ways for them to get in touch with you? So they can email me um, at jill at jillozevec.com. Um, and my website is jillozevec.com. And I am going to be putting up, um, by the time this podcast airs, it'll the next round of the boot camp will be up on an Eventbrite link. And the Eventbrite link is 30dayswiftkick.eventbrite.com. That's 30dayswiftkick.eventbrite.com. And um, yeah, I'll put the next. I'm almost done with the lap, the, this current boot camp, and then we'll be starting another one uh, later in April. So uh, check that site for more details if you are interested. Okay, and I'll make sure that I have a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay. Any any final thoughts, words of wisdoms, tips you'd like to pass on to anybody that may be listening today? Yeah, I mean, I think thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on this show. I think it was it was so fun to do this. You know, it was like the most fun I've ever had doing that. So thank <laughs> you. Um, and I think you know, in terms of if you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you've had that itch for years to to get out and do something different. I would just say, um, do yourself a favor and listen to that, that small persistent voice in your head. And, and, you know, if you, even if you end up staying where you are and you, you make that decision, at least it's a conscious decision and you've done the, 
the back work and the leg work, you know, is in some of that stuff we've talked about before, like the phases in that boot camp, you know, in terms of thinking about other things you want to do and exploring them. And maybe you, you end up coming to that decision that you want to stay where you are, but at least it's not going through the motions and like, you know, one foot in front of the other each day, like who cares? I'm just going to go in and do it. It's like a conscious choice. And so I urge you to, if we're all doing that, if we're all trying to make sure that we are doing what we love, then I think also the world will be a better place. Jill, it's been absolutely my pleasure talking with you today. I wish Villanova the best of luck this weekend. And maybe by the time this podcast airs, they will be the national champions. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm going to sum up today's conversation with two words, let go, specifically knowing when it's time to let go. You see, we all reach a point in our career where we know something needs to change. Jill was no exception. As soon as she saw her reflection on the subway car window, she knew something had to change. Something had to give. But before that change could happen, she had to decide to let go of the corporate job. And during her stay in Argentina, in order to get through her own career transformation, she had to let go of her preconceived notions of herself and how she adds value to the world. Then she had to decide to let go of her past career so she could begin moving towards her new one in coaching. And today, she teaches her clients, maybe even you, how to let go of your preconceived notions of yourself. And I've said this before, so I'll say it again here. You are more than your title and your job. But to understand that, you have to be willing to let go and know that your job does not confine you, nor does it define you. Thank you, Jill, for your time with us today, and congratulations on the national championship. You can find today's show notes over on the blog at ryanroten.com forward slash Jill Ozevec. There you'll find links to everything we talked about today, including Jill's 30-ish day career boot camp. And as always, a special thanks to each and every one of you listening today. I hope Jill's story will inspire you to let go of your reservations so that you can begin heading down the path to becoming a brand new you. So until next week, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. This week's show is edited and produced by Ryan Roten. And the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundroad.